Welcome to the Victory Orlando Church Podcast. We are so glad you decided to join us. We want to help you to know God, find freedom, and discover your divine purpose so that you can make a difference with your life. We pray this message encourages you, inspires you, brings you hope, and builds your faith. We've been uh, talking the last several weeks in our series called Blessed to Be a Blessing. And in case you didn't know, that is you. You are blessed. And not only are you blessed, but you are blessed to be a blessing. Come on, if you live in the United States, you are blessed. If you have a place you call home, you are blessed. If your car has a little house attached to your house called a garage where it gets to sleep at night, you are blessed. Come on, how many of y'all know? Some people are living in tents, and we're, you know, praise the Lord, we are blessed. Uh, hopefully, um, through this series, it's begun to stir some things up inside of you um, to go beyond just the norm, to go beyond the cultural definitions of bless or generosity. And um, I really, my hope is that you've been able to begin to get a hold of a revelation of the nature of your heavenly Father, because God is generous. In case you forgot, we know God and have relationship with God because he is generous. You know, if you need any proof, just the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3, 16. Let's say it all together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would have everlasting life. Come on. God gave us Jesus that means he didn't have to, but he wanted to. He displayed his generous nature, who he is. And as I was praying about today, God, what do you want me to share today? You know, we work hard to put together great services and, uh, you know, seeking God. God, what do you want us to share? And uh, as I was praying specifically about today, it's hard for the house Sunday. And, and it's the last week of our Blessed to be a Blessing series. I had something planned. But as I was praying this week, God really kind of redirected me. <laughs> How many of y'all know the, we have a plan, but sometimes the Lord changes our steps? I'm so thankful that he does. And So today the word of the Lord is scriptural principles that lead to a blessed life. Scriptural principles that lead to a blessed life. So what produces the blessing of God in our lives? It's an important question to know the answer to. We know, we, as we've learned through this series, the scriptures say that when a person receives Christ, they are blessed. It says God blesses us with spiritual blessings through Christ Jesus. So when our lives are in Christ, we are blessed. So if you know Jesus, you've found salvation, you can't help but be blessed. Because through Christ, you are blessed. But there is infinitely more blessing that God has to pour out on your life. And the blessing of God is not just having more money. The blessing of God is not just, uh, you know, everything is perfect and nothing goes wrong in your life. Like, that would be nice, but that's just not life. <laughs> Anybody live for five minutes and know that things, crazy things happen in life? It's not that God has fallen off his throne. It's not that he's forgotten about you. It's not that he's decided not to bless you that day. No, it's just there's, there's things in this life. It, and so what do we do in response to this life? Does this life and all that happens determine if God is blessing me? No. God blesses us. What determines the level of blessing that we receive is our willingness to live by the principles God put in his word. 
Did you know that's why God gave us the Bible? So that we could begin to live our lives according to his will, according to his principles. Not so, not so that he could keep us from something. Not so he could uh, make us do whatever he wants. No, it's so that we could receive the results of what he promised. In the New Testament it says, God has given us everything that we need for this life it says, and for godliness, or to live this life in a way that pleases God. It says, and he's given us everything that we need in the form of a seed. In the form of, it says, his precious promises. That's the scriptures. That's what the Bible is. It's God's promises for your life. And all throughout the scripture, God says, if you will do this, then my response will be, this. If you do this, then my response will be this. God gives us his promise that when our lives are lived according to his principles, that there will be in turn his promise coming true in our lives. The opposite is also true. When we choose not to live according to the principles of God's word, then we will not experience the result of the promise that God has said in his word. Amen. Does that make sense, right? Um, a, a principle means this. I looked it up in the dictionary. It's a fundamental truth that results and guides a person's decisions and belief systems. A principle, a guiding principle. It says it guides our, our decisions. A principle guides our belief systems, what we believe to be true. And when a person begins to direct their beliefs and their decisions according to God's word, according to his principles, then the promise of that blessing is released in their life. That's how it works. The problem is, is that many people don't see the results of God's word working in their lives because what they do is they feel pressure rather than making the adjustments to live by the principle. And so they just feel all this pressure. Well, I've got to do this, and I've got to do that. And if I'm not this, and then I must not be good enough. They, they take on all this pressure rather than just letting their decisions be adjusted, their belief system be guided by the principle of God's word. And so when we live according to pressure, then we begin to live according to our own plan and our own will because it's like, well, if this will work for a little bit, now let me try this, and let me try this, and oh, now that's not working right. And rather than when we live according to God's unchanging, always true, will never fade away word, his principles, man, then we can begin to get away from the pressure. See, successful people learn to live by principle, not by feeling. Successful people learn to live by principle, not by circumstance of what they're facing. That's how you can have joy when life is falling apart. Did you know that on your worst days you can still have victory? Yeah. You can experience joy even when things aren't going the way that you want. And I believe that, you know, as we're talking about being blessed, as we're talking about generosity, I, you know, my belief is this, is that most Christians want to be generous. I, I just believe it's true. You know, statistics will say something different, that not all Christians are generous. Um, in fact, it says that 9%, the most recent study says 9% of Christians tithe off of their income. 9%. I believe that's not because most Christians want to not tithe or not want to give. I believe most Christians do want to give. They want to tithe. They, they want to, but most can't. Most can't. They're not in a place 
where they can. They've been praying and believing for God to bless them. They, they, they want God to increase their finances, but they're strapped, meaning their finances are committed to anywhere else but what God is asking them to do. They're living paycheck to paycheck. Many are up to their eyeballs in debt, and they see no way out. Come on, they want to be generous, most people, but they have no budget. And they have no idea where their money is going. If I'm talking about you, it's okay. I love you. Come on. Uh, this is not a message to make anybody be condemned or feel bad. This is a message of hope. Come on, somebody. God's way works. And I want to, uh, I, I, you know, as I was praying, God just, just dropped this revelation in my heart. What if this was the last time, the last year, the last moment we had to sit back and be like, I wish I could be generous today. God, I, I, I wish I could be the one, man, to just, just write the check for the whole 20000 God, I wish I could be. What if this was the last time we had to sit back feeling like we wanted to be generous, but we can't because our resources have been spent other places? What if this was the last time where next time we could sit there and be the one and be, be ready to give, be ready to be intentionally generous? When God moves on our heart and says, hey, why don't you give your car to this person who has no car? Rather than feeling like, ah, oh, but what am I going to drive? We'll be like, okay, let's go. What if this was the last moment you had to feel like, oh, I want to be generous, but I can't? You, you, you can't be that person who can write, write the check in one, in one fell swoop. That's what the blessing of God produces. Come on. It's quiet in the house today. It's all right. It's like sometimes when we have surgery, you're not talking, and that's okay. I'm believing the Holy Spirit is moving, you know, when there's a deep surgery. And when we talk about money, it's deep surgery. Come on, praise the Lord. We just got to get past the point as, as believers, as Christians, about operating in the realm of our finances the way the world does, having no idea where our money is going, making no strategic plans for God to be involved or have a say in our finances, and then wonder why we're in debt, wonder why we can't get ahead. Uh, one, uh, one scripture in the Bible says you put your money into your pockets, but it's like pockets with holes and you never have enough. Like we've got to figure out as believers how to be the light of the world in the area of finances. And so that's really what my heart was in this today, was to begin to bring some freedom, to begin to bring some practical principles from God's word to begin to unlock this way of living. Because you can live this kind of lifestyle where you're out of debt, where you are intentionally generous, where you are ready at a moment's notice to do something extravagant when God puts it on your heart. We asked that question a couple weeks ago. If God spoke something extravagant to you to give, would you be willing to do it? You know, we prayed over all those who raised their hand, and I believe God is moving in that capacity. But sometimes we're praying, believing God to bless our finances and blessing him to increase us, mishandling what he's already given us. And then we wonder why he's not increasing us. Well, we're not handling what he's already blessed us with according to how he asked us. So we're going to dig into this, the practical principles, how we can begin to experience this. See, I believe God doesn't bless us to how well we ask him for it. God doesn't bless us according to how good we lived yesterday or how few cuss words we said yesterday. No, God blesses us according to our willingness to live according to his principles and manage well what he's entrusted to us. You know that you, everybody has the same amount of time in the day. We all have 24 hours. But some people always say, I never have enough time for what I want to do. And other people are making things happen. Same amount of time. It's just how we manage what's been entrusted to us. 
So no matter where you are today, I hope uh, you'll grab a hold of these principles, practical principles that will unlock this level of blessed living. The first one is this. If you're taking notes, hopefully you write this down. The first practical principle that unlocks blessing is tithing. It's the faithfulness of tithing. I preached an entire message on this last week, Lifestyles of the Blessed and Generous. And I encourage you, get on the podcast and re-listen to it. Or uh, What is tithing? We define tithing this way, as the way we read it from Scripture is tithing is returning the first 10% of our increase back to God through his church. Let me say it this way. Tithing is returning the first to the original owner. It's returning the first to the owner. God is the owner of everything. We studied it last week. If you are, it says that God is the possessor of heaven and earth. So if you are on earth, you belong to God. You are not your own. Your finances, your car, your house, everything is his. So listen, God is not just on the list of your life somewhere. He is first on the list. He is the top of the list. And even if you choose not to put him at the top of the list, he is still first. You cannot change his position. You can choose for him not to be that place in your life, but then you will have the harvest of him not being involved in your life. But when we choose to put him first in our life, then you will experience the harvest of him being first in your life. The results will come back on your life. And, and uh, it, I would say it this way. If God is first in your life, everything else will come into order. The flip will also be true. When God is not first in your life, Everything will not come into order, meaning there will be disorder. Jesus said this way, John chapter 16, verse 33. He's teaching his disciples. and He said, I've told you about all these things so that in me you will have peace. In what is peace? In him. So is peace in meditation? We got to be real. Is peace in yoga? Is peace in a glass of wine? Is peace and whatever else is out there. No, in him you will have peace. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. <laughs> I don't know about y'all, but I do not have that on a magnet on my refrigerator. I don't know the last time I saw that scripture posted on Instagram. You know, like, that's not encouraging. Like, thank you, Jesus. Uh, in this world, I will have trouble. Couldn't you have said, you know, in me you'll have peace and you won't have any problems? That would have been a whole lot more encouraging. But look what he says next. He says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. Don't be afraid. I have overcome the world. And we're, we're in him already, so we already have peace. So if we're in him and everything he has is ours, then we have overcome the world as well. Come on, we have an overcoming spirit. So when calamity comes, we don't, uh, like, yeah, we'll have a, a, a reaction in the moment, but our life does not become just a pity party and just, oh, I just can't. No, we have an overcoming spirit. So in the face of defeat, in the face of loss, we can still rise up. We can still have emotions because we're people. Come on. But then I'm going to pick myself up and be like, self, you can overcome through Christ. Self, God is with you and not against you. Come on. We can rise above this. God is our provider. He's never failed us. He's going to provide in the future. Amen. He says, in me you will have peace. I have overcome the world. So would you rather go through the troubles of this life with things in order or with things out of order? When God is first, things come into order. And when he's not, things will be in disorder. And the truth is, one of the greatest litmus tests of where God sits in your life is in your money. It's just, it's just because it's just such an 
external outward expression of the priority of our lives because you can tangibly look at it on a piece of paper on your bank statement or on, on the app on your phone and just see where God ranks in your life. And if he's not first in the area of finances, odds are he's probably not first in your life. If you want to start to say, God, I'm going to put you first, that's, that's a great area. Because every time we have income come into our lives, we're faced with this question, what is first? Let me remind you, it's the first part of something that Scripture tells us is the redemptive portion. The first of something redeems the rest. Jesus was the, calls him the first fruits of creation. He was the first, the only son of God, given for mankind. Is the first that redeems all of creation. It's the first of something that allows the rest to be blessed, right? Many people, their, their idols is their giving. Their idols is their money or their time or their talent. The truth is, you, whatever thing you worship or fear in your life is the thing that is your idol. It's your king. And whatever is your idol, whatever is your king, the thing you're worshiping is the thing that has to bail you out when trouble comes. Can I tell you money can't bail you out when trouble comes? <laughs> your talent cannot bail you out when trouble comes. Like, there's one thing that can always and will always be there to, to be the shelter that you need when trouble comes, and his name is Jesus. When he is on the throne, when he is in that place, Lord of our lives, he will be the thing that saves us when life goes bad. So tithing is then the outward expression of the priorities of my life. What's, what's really on the throne of my life? Unfortunately, many people, after they get paid or whatever, they have increased. They sit down, pay all their bills. They go to the grocery store and all that kinds of things. And that's great. Do those things. But then it's like, at that point, then it's like, what do I have to give to the Lord? Oh, I'll give God a little tip here and there. Or that. that's, that's not a tithe. The tithe is the first part of the ten, this, this first 10%. And that's why so many people end up in the place where, like, I can't afford to tithe. Now, I, I would just say the opposite. You can't afford not to tithe. Like, and I, and I've, I've had this discussion so many times with people, like, you, you can't afford to tithe until you start doing it. Like, you can, you can afford to do it. See, it's not a... I believe it's not a matter of not having enough. It's just a matter of priority. It's just a matter of so often with our money, we lose sight of eternity. We start living for this life. We start believing the, the ideals that if I don't have Netflix and Hulu and Disney Plus, then I'm really not happy and fulfilled. But I, I can't tithe because I've got to do all these things and go to Starbucks and shop at this place. And I've got to have new shoes this season because my ones last season are so out of date. You know, whatever it is, you know. Or, But it's when we start to live for this life that all of a sudden God doesn't have room in that area of our life. We've got to get back. Look what he's, God says, Malachi chapter 1, verse 13. This is a really strong scripture. This is the Lord speaking to his people, and he says, when you bring injured, lame, or diseased animals and offer them as sacrifices, should I accept them from your hands? <laughs> Woo, anybody, they got anybody else's attention? He says, cursed is the cheat who has an acceptable male in his flock, an acceptable offering, vows to give it, but then sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. Whatever I have left over, God. He says, for I am a great king, says the Lord Almighty, and my name is to be feared among the nations. And I know... 
this is a strong scripture, but the problem is too often we fear the IRS or the mortgage company or the visa company or Disney or Starbucks or Target. We fear or respect those things more than we fear or respect God. And so those things get the first, but those things can't bless you. They can only provide something in a moment. God has the power to bless you. God has the power to sustain you, right? He's saying, I'm the great king. He alone is to be feared, to be respected, to be worshipped. In other words, God is saying, hey, I need to be first. He can only be first in our lives. God will only, he says, accept the first and the best. He says, when you bring these things to me that are, are like, it's, 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 it's not the first, it's not the best. How can I accept this from you? That's a, just a powerful thought to think about that sometimes we can bring something to God and because it's just what we had left over or kind of like God doesn't accept it. Not wild to think about. But when we begin to bring in the first and the best, man, he begins to uh, accept it and receive. Look what Jesus, the way he said it, Matthew chapter 6, verse 31. He says, don't worry about all these things, saying what do we eat, what do we drink, what do we wear. These thoughts dominate, uh, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows your needs. So I wonder, what's dominating your thoughts? <laughs> is it all the things we got to have and uh, whatever else? And truth is, whatever is dominating your thoughts will drive your decisions. Whatever is dominating your thoughts will dominate your finances. So I just encourage you. He's not saying, I don't want you to have anything. That's not it at all. What does he say? He says, hey, just don't let those things dominate you. He says, your heavenly father knows about it. Next verse, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. He's got to be first. And all these things will be given to you as well. So God doesn't want you to be without. He's just saying, I got to be first. He says, he, he doesn't want you broke, busted, and disgusted. He wants you to have increase and abundance in all things at all times. So let me just encourage you today, don't wait to the end to see if you have enough for God in your life, in your time, in your finances, or with your talents. No, step out in faith. God, I'm going to give you the first of everything that touches my life because it belongs to him. And by the way, you give a percentage of your, your life to everything anyways. 100% of our finances are going somewhere. We have no problem giving 12% to the mortgage company. We have no problem giving, you know, five, six dollars a day to Starbucks or Dunkin'. We have no problem giving, you know, 10 per, whatever percent to Walmart or, you know, any of those other places. But then all of a sudden when people start talking about it, I'm going to put God first in my finances, we have no percentage left for him. Right? I just encourage you. It's not a problem of not having enough. It's a matter of priority. Well, if I just made more money, then I would be more generous. If, you know, if, if I just, if I was just, if I had more like what they had, then it would be a different story. No, it wouldn't. It would be the same story. Because if, you're, if you can't tithe off of $20,000, which, by the way, a tithe of $20,000 is $2,000, then there's no way you're going to tithe off of $100,000. Because a tithe off of $100,000 is $10,000. That's a lot of dollars. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, like the numbers get bigger. And if you can't be generous and, and bring God what is his already with little, then you're definitely not going to do it when the numbers and the zeros are more. Why? Because money does not change you. It simply magnifies what is already inside of you. It magnifies what was already first in your life. 
Like that's what it does. And God wants to know if we will be trustworthy. God wants to see if we're really first in his life. And when we begin to bring our tithe faithfully back to him through his church, man, it begins to put us in a position to say, God, we can be trusted with the things of this earth. We can be trusted with resources in this life. Here's the second principle uh, to live by is live with margin. First, we've got to begin to tithe. The second one is to live with margin. Margin is the idea that there is space between what has to be used or spent and what I actually have. This is with time, with your talents, and with your, your, your finances, right? There's space between what has to be spent and what you actually have, right? You've, the reality is you've been entrusted with some things in this life. Did you know that? You have gifts and talents and abilities. You have a family. You have hopes and dreams. You have resources and, and all that stuff. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from who? Comes from the Father of lights. Our Heavenly Father is pouring out all this good on your life. He's given you so much. And margin is a necessary principle and when we are living according to margin, it will cause a person to live beneath their means. Margin, when I'm living with margin, I'm, it's the, the opposite of margin would be living maxed out. What about on our schedule? Do we have margin? Or are we constantly on the go? I know the world tells us if your answer is not, how are you, busy, then you're probably not being productive. But I would just encourage you, the word busy is not a, is not a good word. It's not a godly word. Be still and know that I am God. <laughs> Sabbath, once a day, once a week, once of, the, once of the seven days is a Sabbath, is a rest. Be in the house of the Lord on the first day of the week, right? Like, if we're just busy and there's no margin in our schedule, then it's no wonder to me when people are like, oh, I don't have time to serve, or I'll commit to serve but not show up because I had too many things and I couldn't keep it straight, or I just needed some me time, and so we just, what? like, no wonder then. Same thing in our finances. People are maxed out. Forget about living with margin. Forget about how much I bring in. People are living way beyond their means in their finances and using credit cards to finance the shortfall. Let me give you some statistics today. 43% of Americans spend more than they receive each month. 43%. That's almost half of the people in our country spending more than they make. Another study, the American Time Use Survey, said people spend 95 times as much time watching TV as they do managing their finances. That's crazy. That is not normal. And if we are going to be found as trustworthy stewards, we've got to begin to dig into this area and stop being so afraid to talk about it. Stop being so afraid to say no to some things, even good things. Come on. Uh, remember, God is the ultimate provider. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2 says, this is the amplified version, which means they add words to it to make it more adjectives and things like that. He says, in this case, moreover, it is required, and here's the, the added words, as essential and demanded of stewards, managers, that one be found faithful and trustworthy. So let me ask you, are you faithful and trustworthy with what God has put in your hands, with your time, with your treasure, and with your talents. Are you faithful? Are you trustworthy? Faithful. Do you do what you say you will do? Do you follow through on your commitments? See, faithful people aren't afraid of making the commitment because they know they're going to follow through. 
trustworthy people, they can be trusted. What, what you ask them to do, they will follow through. And if we're going to be found faithful and trustworthy, I would suggest one of the important things is to be found living with margin. Because it's real hard to be faithful, to be trustworthy when there's no margin, when there's no space for God. There's no space for those things in their life, right? Um, and I, I think especially in finances, uh, when we talk about margin, it's, it's not spending everything. That we allow there to be, yeah, there's things we're going to spend, but then there's space between what is spent and what we actually have. And I think most people fall into the trap of they don't do basic math with their finances. I'm not talking about multiplication. That's the deep stuff, right? <laughs> I don't care what y'all say. That's funny. Basic math, addition, subtraction. We're in high school. We can talk about math, right? Um, I, I was not great at math, but it wasn't because I was dumb. It was because I didn't apply myself. And somebody in the else who did that said Amen. But sometimes it's just basic math. We need to sit down. How much do we bring in? What are my expenses? And do some math. You know, like, and maybe you're thinking, Pastor, this is really extreme. This is, this is kind of, this is kind of, you're really stretching this one and be like, maybe that's okay if you think that. But we're talking about people who don't want to just sit there. Oh, I wish I could be generous, but I'm really not going to do anything to make my life so that I can be generous. We're talking about those who want to move out of the place they are and actually get to a place where their life can be generous. So for those people, it's not extreme. Those who wanted to stay where they are in the little land of comfort zone, it is extreme. And if that's where you are, that's okay. I love you. You still have a place in this house. But I'm just going to continue to always press. I'm going to continue to always feed you the word of God so that you can grow beyond where you are. Because, listen, you can do it. There's more that God has for your life. But it's not going to come from just staying where you are. It's going to cause you to, you got to be stretched. And imagine, you know, so many people are like, Pastor, I wish we could give more. I wish we could do that. Imagine, I'm like, okay, that's great. Let's sit down and talk about our income and our expenses. Gets a little awkward, right? Like, okay, how much income do we have? Column A, right? I have this X amount of dollars. Well, let's talk about our expenses. Mortgage, car payment, gasoline, food, uh, utilities, Netflix, Starbucks, Disney Plus, Apple TV, Hulu, Amazon Prime, uh, Walmart Plus. <laughs> There's all those things out there now, right? And it's just the reality is like sometimes we don't even realize how long ago we passed in our expenses, our income. We're living way beyond, way stretched beyond. And it's not to say you're a bad person. Come on, but just sometimes we need the wake-up moment to realize we're spending way more than we're bringing in. And that's not good. You, it's not sustainable. You, you cannot live that way and, and experience not only the fullness of God's blessing, but just a, a good life. It's just not going to work out. Look at the picture from Scripture, Proverbs 27, verse 12. This is the Passion Translation. A wise person, a shrewd person, discerns the danger ahead and prepares himself. But the naive simpleton never looks ahead and suffers the consequences. Come on, we need to, we need to wake up in this area and realize we can't keep functioning with no margin in our time, with no margin in our finances, and no margin in the area of our talents. Like, are you using your abilities and your gifts to bring glory to God? Are you serving someone uh, with the abilities and the talents that God has given you? Here's another principle to live by is to spend wisely. Look at your neighbor and say, spend wisely. It's been said this, when we fail to plan, we plan to fail. And so many people... Uh, will say things to me when we talk about planning, like, well, pastor, my personality, like, I'm just not a planner. 
And what they really mean is they haven't taken the time to learn to be a planner because planning is not a personality type, it's a skill. And you can learn to be a planner. It might not be a natural inclination for you. Yes, some people are more lean more towards planning, but it doesn't mean you can't learn. It just means you haven't. You can be a planner. And by the way, if you don't know your personality type, that's one of the things we do in our next steps. And I encourage you, get in next steps, learn your personality type. Because what a, your personality type, you'll realize that it's not just how you are. It's how God made you. And he made you that way on purpose, for a purpose. And it will begin to bring meaning and clarity to who you are and why you do the things that you do. And so I encourage you, get in our next steps. It's the first three Sundays of every uh, month right after church service. But we just got to begin to... To dive into this area of spending wisely, of planning ahead. And in the area of finances, if you don't have a working budget, you got no financial plan. You just don't. Like, you need a budget. You need a financial plan. What does a budget do? A budget tells your money where it's going before it comes in. Every dollar gets a job. A budget helps you make def financial decisions without emotion. Because the budget tells you where the money's going, right? A budget is like a map. It tells you your money, where it's going. It's the destination. It says this is where you're going to end up. And if you are lost financially, it's probably because you got no map. You need a budget. You need somewhere where your money goes. Because we've all been in those places where you've made an emotional financial decision. <laughs> Anybody else? I'm going to raise both hands. Uh, those decisions are always the worst. Those are the ones that the term buyer's remorse comes from, you know. Like we've got to allow, uh, you know, if we're going to move into this place where we are spending wisely with the resources that God brings into our lives, if we're going to be found trustworthy, then we're not just willy-nilly everywhere because something sounded good or looked good in a moment. And I, I think part of the problem with budgeting is that a lot of people will say, well, I'm not good with numbers, so I don't, I don't know how to budget. Listen, you don't have to be good with numbers. You have to be able to do addition and subtraction. And listen, we live in a day and a time where every one of us has a little device like this that can download some kind of app that will do the math for you. There are budget apps. We use one in my house. It's called You Need a Budget. Look at your neighbor and say, you need a budget. And you do. You need a budget. And we need to be using the budget. But honestly, I really think, you know, sometimes I think we don't want to know where we really are financially. Because then we have to face the harsh truth about how we got there and whose fault it is. It's not God's fault. He's given us his word. He's given us the principles to live by. We've just made other decisions. And then we're crying out, God, where are you? Won't you bless me more? If I just had it, and God's like, but you're not doing it already. And we've made some decisions that have led us another direction. And we just sometimes have to get really honest about where we are. Sometimes we even need to ask for this four-letter word. It's called help. If you need help, it's okay. Permission to ask for help. Is that like, it, can, can I just give you that? If you miss everything else, get this today. Permission to ask for help, whether it's in money, whether it's in something in your Bible, or whether it's in your talents and your, ta like, ask for help. If you see somebody more successful than you, like, those are the people I want to be around. I want to be around people who have been down the road, who have done better than me, because I want to sit at their feet. I want to ask questions. I want to learn. I don't know it all. None of us do, but somebody knows more than I do, and I can learn from them. 
And so get around some people who are using a budget, who are doing better than you, and begin to be teachable. Begin to learn from anything and everything. we got to get honest with where we are. I love what Proverbs says, 20, chapter 28, verse 13. It says, a man or a woman who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. But if he confesses and forsakes them, he will get another chance. So no guilt, no shame, no embarrassment, no feeling bad about where you are. But this is the last moment you have to be there. Like this is the worst we'll ever be. Tomorrow's going to be better. We're going to grow tomorrow, right? Get around some people. Ask for help. It's okay. We serve the God of second chances. It's never too far. It's never too late with God, right? Um, I'm not sure if you know this. Um, I, I did some research on statistics this week. Here in Orlando, the average median household income is $51,757. All right, Orlando, come on. We can pat ourselves on. That's not bad. It's not great, but it's not bad. Then if you drill down a little bit more into East Orlando, let's go. Come on, East Orlando. You drill down into East Orlando, the average median household income is $82,694. Let's go. We rolling big in East Orlando. Come on, Jesus. That is a lot of money, baby. <laughs> 82000 you know. That's a lot of money. Here's, here's the interesting thing. that if, if a person works a normal working career, 40 years, right, and you're bringing in an average of $50,000 over those 40 years, that means a little over $2 million will pass through your hands in your lifetime. Look at your neighbor and say, what's up, millionaire? Look at your other neighbor with a little more stank on it and be like, what's up, millionaire? You know, like, and single people, that's a good time. Like, what's up, millionaire? You want to go to lunch? Come on, somebody. <laughs> so with this millionaire perspective in mind, how generous are you? If God is entrusting millions to you, see, we've just taking the wrong perspective that if I don't have it all at once, it must not be enough. God is entrusting you with millions just over your lifetime. And some of us will have even more than a little over two million because we make a lot more than that. How generous are we? In the perspective of one day I will stand in eternity before the creator, before the throne, and I will give an account for everything that I've done and everything that has come through my hands. I don't know about y'all. But as for me and my house, I want to be the one to say that a large majority of what came through my hands was given back into the kingdom. I don't want to be on the bare minimum side as little as I could possibly do because I had to have this or I needed one more of that or I just needed this or just needed to hold on to it just a little bit longer. No, I want to be on the side of God. As much as I could maximize for your glory, I gave into the work of your kingdom so that Jesus would be spread across the globe. That's the side I'm going to be found on. Anybody with me? Come on. That's where we want to be. We're not bare minimum people. We are all in people. That's why I love when people argue about giving from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Because in the Old Testament, God is like, you need to bring a tithe and bring your offerings into the storehouse. In the New Testament, it's, it says the church sold everything they had and gave all they had. So it's just a difference. How many, like the Old, the Old Testament part sounds better, right? <laughs> like we're not going to be bare minimum people. We're going to, we want to position our lives so that at a moment's notice when God speaks and says, hey, move there. Do this. Give that. Yes, sir, I'm ready. I'm prepared. Not only do I have the desire, but I'm moving into a place now where I have the capacity, the ability to move in those realms. 
You have the capacity to move in those realms. You have the calling on your life to be that kind of person. But it doesn't just happen by accident. It's not just going to come and just one day riches are going to drop in your lap. No, it's going to happen little by little as you've been trustworthy and faithful over what's already in your hand. There's just It's going to happen in ways you don't even realize and without even noticing the blessing of God is going to overtake your life. Here's the next one, number four is to save diligently. See, saving is not spending everything that we have, but actually saving and investing part of what comes into your hand. It's not a deep principle, but it's powerful. Saving and investing, and it is spiritual. Proverbs 21, verse 20. The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp it all down. Proverbs 13, 22. A good person, another translation says, a righteous man or woman leaves an inheritance for their children's children. But a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. Well, this is a spiritual principle. Your money is more spiritual than you realize. And what you do with your time, with your money, and your, your talents is you are sowing seed not only for your life but for future generations. You're teaching your children now not how to be children but how to be adults. So one day when they're full-grown adults, they're going to model the life that you showed them. So if they're as teenagers not acting the way that you hoped they would, well, it's not the church's fault. It's not God's fault. There's a mirror, the person looking back at you. Those are the seeds that were sown into their life, whether it was because you allowed them on to see whatever or whatever it is. Like everything that we do, moms and dads, is a seed into our children's life, including how we give, how we serve, how we worship, how we attend church, how we talk about people. Come on, they're listening, they're watching. It's time for us to lead the way with intentional generosity. Did you know this statistic right here blew my mind? 80% of all tax refunds in our country are spent before they are received. <laughs> that's crazy. I mean, God forbid we save that tax return. God forbid we ask him what he wants us to do with the increase that comes into our hand. You know what I mean? Like a, a study was done a few, a few years ago about uh, when this amazing invention came about uh, called the iPhone. It was, it was invented 2007 when it entered the world and has changed our world. Everything is done mobile now on phones and apps. It's It's amazing. But in 2007, our world looked a little differently. A study, the study said that in 2007, on average, every person was exposed to about 5,000 ad images every day. 5,000 ad images. Fast forward to today, that number has doubled to 10,000 ads on average we are exposed to on a regular daily basis. And that's actually not good news because the same study also shows that the more ads that we are exposed to, the more miserable our lives become. Because the, more, the predominant message of advertising is in order to be happy, you need to buy whatever they are selling. You need to have this. You need to have that. In order to have a happy life as a young adult, you need to buy that certain insurance or whatever. They even say it in their ad. You know, like, well, we've shown that young adults being happy, like, have our insurance. And it's like, what? Like, you know, like, that's the message. If you don't have the newest iPhone, you have the iPhone 13 but not 14, then you probably aren't, you know, your pictures aren't going to be as good or your people are going to think you're just, you know, whatever. Like, that's the pervasive message. You have to buy more to be happy. And it's just not true of what is normal in God's kingdom. Let me give you a kingdom word instead of the cultural ideals. The kingdom word would be contentment. Not a word that's 
popular these days or preached about contentment, being happy, but satisfied with what you have. Philippians chapter 4, verse 12. And Paul, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church and he says, I know what it is to be in need. Some of you are like, that's my life verse right there. I know what it is to have plenty, and that's the vision for your life. Come on. I have learned, he said, the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. So apparently contentment is not based on uh, physical things that I have. And I love that he says I've learned to be content. That's encouraging to me because that means I can learn to be content. So if I'm not content... That just means you haven't taken the time to learn how to be content. But you can. It's achievable. It's attainable. It's not even something that that's, that's that hard to achieve. Like, we can be content. God, I might not be where I want right now, but just thank you, God, for blessing me so much. Thank you, God, for what do we have. How do we learn to be content? Well, become acquainted and become a grateful uh, with what you do have. Develop the attitude of gratitude. Some people have the attitude of complaining. The attitude of whatever else, of being not enough. No, but we're going to be people who have the attitude of gratitude. And I'm not just grateful for the good things. I'm grateful for the people that really get under my skin. Thank you, Lord, for sending them my way. It wasn't fun, but I'm learning patience. Thank you, Lord, for teaching me to hold my tongue today. You know, <laughs> like we can find a moment of gratefulness in every situation. Thank you, Lord God, for allowing me to live in this country. I know we got problems in America, but it's still the greatest country on the earth. Thank you, God, for bringing me in East Orlando. Thank you, God, for my job. Thank you, God, for my children. Thank you, God, for this, you know, pizza that I'm eating today, even though it's not what I want to eat. Thank you, God, for this car that I'm driving, that even though it's 10 years old, it still gets me to where I need to be. Thank you, God, for these high gas prices, because even though they're high, I still have enough. We can have gratitude in everything. We can have contentment no matter what you're driving. In fact, some of the happiest people I know are those that don't live lavish lifestyles. I mean, if you think that being blessed is just living a lavish lifestyle, like look at our world and all the people who are living the lavish lifestyle and how broken and empty and addicted and just messed up their lives are. What does it profit a person to gain the whole world and lose their soul? It's just the blessing is not being rich. Like, that's great. Sure, there will be increase of finances that come your way. But that doesn't mean that that's when you're blessed. Sure, that is a result of the blessing. The blessing of God is everything. It's complete. I don't know if you've ever ordered a pizza for delivery, anybody? Come on. And you get that pizza. Isn't it awesome? It comes, the box is warm. There's nothing like holding a warm pizza box in your head smelling, you know, just smells good. And then you get in the kitchen, you set it down, everyone's gathered around, you open the box, and there's like three slices in there. There's pieces missing from the pizza. Like, how many would be okay with that? No, what would you do? I know some of y'all. Let me speak to the manager. <laughs> some of y'all, that BC side of you before Christ wants to come out and with us. Okay. It's, I love you. Come on, that's why we're growing. Thank you, Lord, for this pizza, this manager I'm about to call. And I'm about to share the gospel with him, the full gospel. <laughs> if you can't laugh at that, I don't know what. But somehow that's how we approach the blessing of God. 
as if God's blessing is only two slices of the pizza. I want money and what, you know, I feel good all the time. No, God's blessing is the whole pie. It's everything. It's, it touches every part of your existence and your life and your mind and your being and contentment and gratitude and, and sure, finances and time and all that kind of stuff. But all that's just periphery. One day it's all going to go away. And some people give their lives for that expensive this or that expensive whatever that ends up in the dump one day or ends up in a car wreck and destroyed and then they have nothing. And people give their lives for things. I'm just saying we have the opportunity to give our lives for the one who gave his life for you, for the one who created heaven and earth. You have the opportunity to live your life and to give it all for the one we'll be in eternity forever worshiping anyways. We've got to learn contentment. See, if we want to grow contentment, we have to cultivate gratitude. Contentment's not going to just show up at your door one day and be like, hey, I want to be a part of your life. No, it's got to be a purposeful decision to be content, to be grateful for what you've been given. And when you live that way, all of a sudden you'll find yourself tithing. All of a sudden, you'll find yourself living with margin. All of a sudden, you'll find yourself spending wisely, saying no to some things when, when the funds aren't there, paying cash for things instead of borrowing, saving a little bit more. And when you start living that way, it gets real good. And then you can start doing this last one, giving sacrificially. Come on. This is the place God is leading us. It's hard to sow into the kingdom of God when you're not saving. It's hard to sow in the kingdom of God when there's no margin in your finances and in your life. It's hard to serve when you ain't got time to show up. It's hard to, to do those things when there's no space. And, and, and yeah, you can give other places outside the church. That's, that's great. We do that too. You know, that's like you, you, you see somebody and God moves on your heart. Hey, help that person. Buy them a meal. Tip a little bit more than you normally would. Which, by the way, when you go out to restaurants, please don't tip the minimum. You're blessed to be a blessing. Come on, somebody. I mean, my wife, Pastor Heather, and I, we made the decision a long time ago. We're going to be generous on every occasion. I've, we, we live the life of making the decisions not to tithe and not to give because we couldn't, because we didn't have the money, because of whatever the reason was, we made that decision. And we received the results of those decisions and there was the curse we lost a house we lost so many things it was just miserable life nothing was like but then we had a person who was willing to get in our face and say hey are you tithing are you giving and begin to help us in the practicals what's your budget look like we weren't operating on a budget and uh, we had to make some hard decisions. We had to be willing to receive the correction and say, I'm, I'm going to now make the choices. Okay, we're going to begin to tithe. We're going to begin to give. And we begin to, now we've been living that way, and we are experiencing a different harvest. We're receiving the harvest of God's blessing because we've chosen to live that way. The harvest will come. The, the Bible says, as the earth remains, there will, there will be seed time and harvest. So if you don't like the harvest you are getting, then you need to sow some different seed. You need to get some different seed in the ground. I can tell you this. I've never regretted being generous. Never once have regretted being generous. But I've many times regretted the moments I was stingy. Many times I've regretted the moments where God spoke to me and said, I want you to do this right now, and I didn't do it. I look back on those moments all the time and with, with regret, and I'm thankful God redeems our lives. He redeems our decisions, but man, so why don't we get to our feet today?
I believe God is stirring us up. God wants to bring us to this place where this is life, where we, our lives are a sacrifice of worship and praise to Him. Thank you for listening to the Victory Orlando Church Podcast. We hope today's message helps you take another step closer to knowing God and finding freedom through His Word.